0: hey everybody it's michael here and you're listening to the good e-reader radio show hey everybody welcome back to the good e-reader radio show my name is michael and today i am joined by jeremy greenfield of digital book world what is the good word jeremy
1: the good word is hello
0: hello Mm -hmm. so uh this is an er this is more or less a very short show because it's Relatively, been a very slow news week with uh, just a few devices sort of hitting the shelves. That the Kobo Arc 10 is officially out, and the Amazon Kindle Fire HD 8.9 is officially out now. So it looks like almost all the big devices are now out for the holidays, including the Nook Simple Touch with Glowlight, which is Barnes and Noble's uh, new e-reader. What do you think about all the new hardware coming out? Is there anything that's been compelling for you?
1: You know, I already have a couple of e-readers with backlighting. I already have an iPad. So for me personally, uh, no. In terms of what consumers will buy, um, I think this is going to be the season when we see a lot of adoption of tablets. Um, and maybe next season, uh, Christmas season, there will be replacement devices and you know, the, the final batch of people who haven't really adopted tablets yet. Um, So I expect to see a lot of uh, iPads and and Kindle Fires and Samsung Galaxies fly off the shelves.
0: Have you seen the new Apple iPad Air?
1: Uh, I have seen it, yes. What do you think? I mean, it looks like a really good iPad.
0: Yeah, I... uh... I've been using the iPad 3 for the longest time, and I just sort of skipped that sort of the iPad 4 generation, and then I did the Apple iPad Air, and I really like it. I mean, it, I think it's the first iPad with stereo speakers, so I, I listen to a lot of podcasts, um, a lot of sort of audiobooks uh, as I'm going to bed at night, and it's nice to have the two speakers that the Apple iPad Mini had. So. I find that I'm listening to a lot more audio content now, and it's light as hell. So I'm, I'm a huge fan of really light devices. So, despite the fact it's 9.7 inches, it's it's very easily carry. It's you, I can carry it easy now. Jeremy, Amazon Source. This has been everybody's been weighing in on it. And what exactly is Amazon Source?
1: Amazon Source is very similar to a program Kobo has here in the U.S., and also similar to a program Amazon has with Waterstones, a book chain uh, over in the U.K. Basically, Amazon is giving indie booksellers the opportunity to sell Kindle devices and Kindle e-books and to share in the profits. So if an indie bookseller decides to sell Kindle e-readers, it uh, gets about 6% of the uh, revenue uh, from that to keep as profit, or as uh, you can to be used as a discount if it wants, uh, and 10% of all e-books sold on that device uh, thereafter. Uh, so it's very very similar to the Kobo deal, which offered 5% margins on the devices and 8 to 18% margin on the on the e-books. Uh, so far, it looks like at least two shops are trying uh, their hand uh, with with Kindle, both in the Seattle area. Kobo, last time I checked, had about 500 signed up and planned to have almost 1,000 by the end of the year. Um, my guess is that it's past the 500 mark at this point, though I haven't quite checked yet. Uh, so we'll see if these indie bookstores, which have traditionally been Amazon's enemy, and or not Amazon's enemy, but they, they see Amazon as their enemy, um, will will sign on to work with Amazon or not.
0: Well... Suffice to say that there has been a lot of trepidation in the bookselling industry about this program. Uh, Kobo pretty well has solid relationships with uh, the American Booksellers Association, uh, with uh, the United Kingdom equivalent of it, and you know, they have a lot of marketing material that's given out, a lot of sort of holiday um, type of stuff, whereas Amazon doesn't really seem to be giving out any marketing material. It just seems to be, hey, stock our Kindles, earn some commissions, go for it. We're Amazon. We don't need to give you anything because everyone knows who we are.
1: Well, you know, in the UK, James Daunt, the general manager of Waterstone took a lot of flack for this partnership with Amazon, which a lot of the publishing and bookselling selling industry in the UK saw as saw a little bit of a betrayal. Um, but he said, you know, Amazon is the best e-reading platform, and we want to offer our customers the best e-reading platform. So I could see an indie bookstore saying to themselves, listen, Amazon is the best experience. We want to offer our customers the best experience. Um, but I think there are a lot of negative feelings there, and Kobo has put a lot of effort into making it easy and seamless for bookstores like you described. So, you know, it would surprise me to see mass adoption of this in the U.S., but you never know.
0: Yes. You know, I think Don has been very anti-Amazon for a long time. I remember when Amazon was first getting into the U.K. market, he had nothing but negative things to say uh, about their, their business practices, and he seemed to have almost done like a 180 here.
1: Well, well, money is thicker than, than water.
0: Huh. Well, I think I've read way more negativity about this than I have had read positive. Almost overwhelmingly, almost every single bookstore that's been reached for comment has really said that they're not liking this idea. Do you think that Amazon Source will catch on?
1: Well, I think that one thing working against Amazon Source is that indie booksellers may look at this as a sort of binary. You know, you give us another item to sell and get a little bit of the money, and we give you our customers. Um, and if you do the math and say, say each customer buys, you know, say they each customer they give, each customer who buys a device gets them, say, 5 or $10 from the sale of the device, let's call even 15 and gets, uh, you know, get, and then they buy 10 e-books over the course of a year, and they get they are each $10 each, so they get another $10 there. So for $25 of profit, these bookstores are giving away a customer contact. And I think if you talk to almost any business and you said, hey, give us, uh, you know, give for for $25 a customer, give access to that customer to your your biggest rival, I doubt many businesses would would make that calculation. Um, so I think if bookstores look at it that way, it might be a tough sell, but I, I think that few of them actually will. I think most of them will just kind of go with their gut and think about how they don't like Amazon and not do business with them. Um, many of them are, are trying it out with Kobo, even though the reviews are mixed as to whether they think they can make it work and make it profitable. Um, certainly it hasn't gotten it hasn't been profitable yet, um, but I think there are just so many negative feelings between bookstore owners and Amazon um, that probably few of them will Will actually bite. Um, that doesn't mean it's a waste for Amazon to do this. Uh, this is something that could work in some places. Obviously, Amazon's gotten at least a couple of bookstores to sign up. It's a, it's a way to reach new uh, readers for Amazon, um, and it also is a way for Amazon to say, "Hey, look, you know, we're trying to work with you. We're trying to, you know, we're not we're not out to kill any other businesses. We we, we want to make you know profit for everybody. So." Um, but but my gut tells me not a lot of bookstores are going to sign up for this.
0: You know, I think in the short term you're right. I think in the long term, people might say. You know, uh, I know in in Vancouver that sixty or seventy percent of all the independent bookstores have closed within about the last three years. Um, all the used bookstores are gone. Um, you look at sort of Indigo chapters, uh, they've cumulatively lost profit. I think about the last ever since they sold Kobo, that was like their and this that was like about two years ago now when when Kobo got bought by Japanese e commerce giant Rakuten. You know, uh, Indigo had, I think for their few hundred million dollar investment, uh, got a lot of money out of it, and that was their only solid financial quarter in the last two years, they've you know completely have lost money and they're almost on the ropes. And they have said that they're going to transform their stores from a bookstore to a lifestyle store. And I had drawn parallels between what Borders did and they said something very similar, that they were going to transform themselves into a lifestyle store. And then we all know how that panned out. Do you think that Amazon Source has the ability to save bookstores?
1: Well, if the Kobo program is any indication, I would say no. We, we spoke uh, earlier in the year to many, many independent bookstore owners about how well they were selling devices and e-books, and many of them had made a really aggressive push to sell the Kobo devices, to sell the e-books, and some had even sold a lot of them. With the amount of money that the store itself gets out of it, uh, it, it just has, didn't put a, a dent in any of the bottom lines of the bookstores that we talked to, maybe paid a couple bills here and there. So I think that selling the Kobo devices is, is a way for the bookstores to get in on the ebook business, to get in on a business that could you know, continue to reap benefits. Even after they've sold the device, they get profit from the e-books. Um, it's a way for them to sort of fight back against the rising tide of e-books and invest in that side of the business. Um, but I don't think that at this point, this kind of partnership is the difference maker between uh, survival and not surviving for these bookstores. I mean, look at Barnes & Noble. Barnes & Noble has put a tremendous amount of money and effort into selling its devices and its e-books in stores, and it hasn't really been able to make uh, much of a business off of it. In fact, you could argue that Nook has been a drag on the rest of the Barnes & Noble business um, for, for a while now. Even though you know Barnes & Noble is devoting a lot of retail space to these Nook devices, um, it's still kind of doing okay on the retail side, um, yet Nook is just hemorrhaging money. So I don't know if this store slash e-reader combination is is the answer for anyone except for the person, uh, you know, selling the e-books. But I don't think it helps out the retail stores all that much. At least at this point, there's little evidence to show that it does.
0: Well, I mean, I think the one thing that Barnes & Noble did right is instead of relying on selling... Other people's readers, they decide to invest in their own ecosystem. And I mean, I have to commend them for that because Borders, I think one of the reasons why they went out is that they sold a lot of tablets and e-readers in their stores, but they weren't theirs. And so it was kind of like this Amazon source agreement where they were making very small commissions on like the hardware because hardware is ultra competitive you can't charge $50 above the MOQ you know and have actually people invest in it whereas when Barnes Noble sells e-readers and tablets you got to think that most of it's profit because they're the ones actually building it designing it uh, manufacturing it and then selling it and so that there's a, a deeper profit margin when you're selling your own devices when you have your own bookstore you're selling your own books there's no middlemen and I I I almost that's I've always I've always respected Barnes Noble for doing that because almost all the other bookstore chains out there just rely on you know programs like Kobo and and Amazon Source you know that's that's what they rely on to sell devices and build awareness and they don't really make much money and you're totally right you know I've talked to a lot of bookstores as well and you know Kobo sales are almost a non-factor And they aren't, you know, it's not going to save them and it's not going to put them out of business any more than, you know, than their current business methodology will allow. Um, Doing a little bit of a 180 here to finish off the Amazon news. The Amazon actually made an agreement with uh, the U.S. Post, I believe, to make Sunday deliveries.
1: Yeah, the U.S. Postal Service uh, has been in trouble for a little while now. I mean, obviously, email and other kinds of electronic communications have really cut into the U.S. Postal Service's usefulness. At the same time, it has really strong private competitors in UPS and FedEx, which have been growing for many years. By law, the U.S. Postal Service is, is supposed to break even, um, but it's it lost something like $16 billion last year. Um, now... As a result, the service has been proposing cutting back services, maybe ending Saturday delivery, which would save it a lot of money. Closing post offices. Probably its biggest cost are its employees, which have you know who have fantastic deals and pensions and healthcare plans and such. Um, But this would allow the the Postal Service is now going to deliver Amazon packages on Sundays. In fact, they're going to start making deals with other retailers to deliver packages on Sundays. Package delivery is one part of the Postal Service business which is very profitable. So actually increasing the amount of package delivery the Postal Service does is just a way for the service to make more money and a way for it to compete with FedEx and, and UPS uh, which which don't currently deliver on Sunday. And for Amazon, you know, it's just another way that Amazon is trying to signal to its customers that it gives them everything that they could possibly want and more.
0: So, do you think that the Sunday delivery will be in place? You know, leading up to Black Friday, leading up to Christmas, Hanukkah, whatever non-denominational, non-secular holiday that you celebrate. Do you think that all this, all the logistics, will be in place for that?
1: From what I understand, this holiday season it will be in place for this holiday season. I don't know when that when exactly it starts, but um, I'm sure by by mid to late December at the latest, if not sooner.
0: So in the end, you know, basically the the perennial shopper of Amazon, they're going to be able to get their packages a little bit quicker now.
1: Basically, they'll get their packages one day earlier now. Amazon uh, has. In, it won't be for every single thing that Amazon sells, but but it it will be indicated, and of course not every geographical area. It's just starting in New York and L A initially, and then moving to other um, other major metropolitan areas in the U S eventually, and then who knows how far it will spread. Um, but it, Amazon will indicate uh, b- based on where you are and based on uh, what you know the the thing is that you're buying, if it will have sunday delivery as an option but I, I think the answer to your question is generally yes regular amazon users at least if they live in these major metropolitan areas will start to see benefits from this very soon
0: okay one of the final bits of news um that i want to talk about just two stories uh one was intel purchasing educational company no and for those of you not in the know uh, no has been a uh, hardware manufacturer so they they were going to release these large screen, like 14 inch dual screen tablets. And they had a lot of investors, you know, kicking in money to the company to make that happen. Uh, A a dual screen tablet that was just exclusively focused on educational tech. They gave it about a year and then they kind of bowed out due to the increasing competition in the tablet space. And you got to remember around like 2010, 2011, It wasn't as saturated as it is today and Mm -hmm. they got out of making tablets and jumped into educational software and so they have a series of apps I believe that they had relationships with tons of publishers um, and they had a copious amount of financial rounds in which Intel would regularly kick in millions of dollars to keep the company afloat now a lot of the early investors in NO weren't really happy with the amount of money that the company was garnering and they were looking for an exit strategy. And the exit strategy was Intel buying NO straight up. Now it's an undisclosed amount of money and some of the NO management is going over to help. Kickstart the Intel educational unit and Intel has said that they're going to be releasing uh, educational based tablets and you have to figure that the no software is going to be bundled on there Um, what do you know about no
1: so this is a very hot area for investment many of the strategic players um, like Pearson and McGraw Hill have been making investments in this area direct investments and formed investment funds um, everyone sees education being disrupted uh, by technology. It's much easier now to communicate with people over long distances. And there are uh, these tools that, that now exist, and this theory that now exists, are being are being used to make tools like learning management systems and e textbooks, and to do things like massive open online courses, MOOCs, MOOCs as they're known, um, to disrupt what's going on in higher education. And textbooks are a piece of it. Um, you know, what NO has, which is uh, a lot of e-textbooks and the ability to distribute them is something that I think is going to be very valuable in the coming years. Um, you know, there are thousands and thousands of school districts just in the U.S. Uh, and these school districts will very soon have many, many tablets and it will have many, many students using these tablets and they will need a way to allow the teachers to assign, make assignments and monitor the students and, and sort of monitor the students' progress and reading comprehension and, and math homework, etc. And no offers all of this uh, both to the teachers and the students but it also offers a way f- to the superintendents and the other administrators to buy and distribute that content and which which is really the key thing um, and then of course whoever owns that system will be very very valuable to the publishers who will want these schools and the kids to be buying their stuff and reading their stuff so this you know, many, many companies are getting in on this, and uh, No is in a, a fairly good position. Um, but there's a lot of competition too. So we'll see how it all shakes out.
0: Yeah, I mean, the one thing I've always liked about No and just so you guys um, are in the uh, being aware of this, No has about 75 publishers that they deal with and they have about 225,000 interactive and digital textbooks. And one of the things that separates no from say Amazon e-textbooks or the textbooks system that Google puts out is their software features. They have a lot of collaborative note-sharing features, a lot of collaborative working materials. So when people are working on group projects, you don't actually have to be in the same room anymore. You could just be at your laptop, PC, tablet, and be working on it, You know on the platform of your choice and actually be working on the same thing at the same time and I I find that the no software is actually probably the tightest that I've ever seen and it would be very interesting to see if Intel's educational unit actually goes anywhere because it always kind of seems to me that um, Intel always sees these trends happen sees a lot of companies formulate strategies and then says you know guys we got to get into this there's a lot of money here and for me it's always seems that intel comes late to the party you know in terms of launching programs like this jeremy you know the educational you know field a little bit do you see that intel being a major player at all
1: You know, Intel is a a very major player in all of these spaces, but a sort of behind-the-scenes player for many of them um, because it does produce many of the chips that power uh, these devices. And you know, the the, the creation of these chips, as I'm sure you know, is not just a matter of sort of make the chip and plug it in, and this chip is better than the last chip and it's faster. The the chip manufacturers uh, work very closely with the hardware and software uh, manufacturers to make sure that their chips are optimized for whatever kinds of things are going to be happening and are going to be powered through them.
0: Yeah. I so think...
1: in, Intel, I'm sure is a very significant player in this market, but probably not one that, you know, say most teachers would point to as being an important company in their lives.
0: Yeah, totally. Uh, if you were to pull the average teacher, they would probably say something like McGraw-Hill. You know who's sure. who's been doing a lot of innovative things in, in app development. I I know that on a lot of like Book Expo, uh, CES, the Consumer Electronics Show. I'm always meeting up with people with McGraw Hill, and they're always showing me like the next big thing that they're working on. And they always look really slick, but you never really hear about it once it's actually been officially launched. But you know, McGraw Hill is a staple in the educational field. Intel, not so much. So it'll be interesting to see that if Intel could actually re- are, l- release their own educational tablets which they, they have said that this is what we're going to do and if no is bundled on it that could be um, that could be a selling point for schools that are looking to buy you know iPads or to buy tablets for trial runs and to say look you know we're, we're school this is billed as an educational tablet and Intel is giving us you know subsidies or they're giving us discounts on x number of units let's try to buy into it so i probably will foresee that in sort of early to mid 2014 some schools starting to engage in like pilot projects with intel to actually see if this has any traction in industry Um, one other story and this is some financial results that happened talk to me jeremy
1: HarperCollins, first quarter for HarperCollins as part of the new corporate entity known as News Corp, um, which was formed uh, in the middle of this summer, uh, when what had before been known as News Corp uh, was split into two parts: uh, one television and movie, etc., uh, production, and the second part was more old-school publishing, paper publishing, books and magazines, and, or books and newspapers, for the most part. Um, so HarperCollins saw its revenues decline by 7%, but profits were up by 8%. And it really it was all driven by eBooks, which are seen as you know lower revenue but higher profit uh, versus their uh, print counterparts, so it really makes a lot of sense. Um, E-books were up 30% at HarperCollins in the first quarter versus last year, the same quarter last year, and now comprise 22% of all HarperCollins revenues in that quarter versus 15% a year ago. So uh, while it's been, it seems like it's shaping up to be a, a pretty poor year for results for publishing companies, for the most part, um, a really challenged year 2013 has been. It looks like, um, at least at HarperCollins, e-books are continuing to surge.
0: You know, and I, I would I've been monitoring a lot of the financial results from major publishers and I'm not gonna bore everyone with semantics, but suffice to say around twenty one to about twenty six percent of all companies revenues are are ebooks now and that seems to be increasing, you know, uh, quarter by quarter. It doesn't really seem like ebook sales are going down, where one quarter they were 26% of all our sales, and this quarter they were 15 It doesn't seem to be, like, decreasing. It seems to be only increasing. And this has sort of been the trend I, 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 that I've been following, at least for, like, the last two years. How... Do you think that we'll eventually get to the situation where Amazon quite famously said, I think it was about a year or two ago now, that e-books were outselling print books on like a two-to-one ratio? Do you see that happening by like 2015?
1: It's a really tough question because it looked like we were on our way to be something like 50-50 by next year. Um, or even this year, really, if things had continued to grow, but they've flattened out in terms of percent of unit sales, uh, e-books versus print books. So I think that for certain books, you're going to see things move more to- more heavily toward e. Uh, you know, middle middle grade books and uh, mid-list books and you know big young adult books like The Hunger Games, which was selling very significantly. Uh, high ratio of ebook to print book. Uh, but I don't know if we're going to get to that two-to-one uh, ebook to print book by 2015. Certainly when it comes to illustrated books and how-to books, I think it's going to be very hard for that to happen. I think a lot of those companies that publish those books are going to struggle to uh, continue to make the kinds of money that they're making today in a couple of years. You know whether they'll be able to build an ebook business or some other kind of content business off of it. I'm not 100% sure. Um, I-, I think it's going to be tough to get to that two-to-one ratio by 2015. Uh, and you also have to consider that once print books sink below a certain level. It, they might collapse in a way that we won't be able to anticipate. You know, Barnes & Noble may not be able to continue to be a going concern. And then eBooks if Barnes & Noble just closed up shop right away, uh, you know, I think, I think print book sales across the country would probably decline quite significantly. So it's really hard to predict things like that. Um, I'm just going to say no. I'm, I'm going to go with my gut and say we'll be, you know, under 50% e-books by that point.
0: Yeah, you know, with the trend, it seems to be only increasing by, you know, if that every quarter. So the trend I think over the course of the last year or two was ebooks used to account for about 19% of total revenue. Now it's around 21 to about 26 depending on who you're talking to and what company you're talking about. It's not a huge shift. And I think that probably, at least by the end of next year, likely it'll be about maybe 27%, 28%, if that. But I think it'll be around, like, 26 maybe 27%, realistically. It's not going to, like, go off the scale where one quarter it was, like, you know, 21%, 22%, and the next quarter it'll be, like, 29%. It's not going to jump like that. Even if we do see uh, another Hunger Games or another Fifty Shades of Grey... Um, you know, those type of seminal books that just like sell so many copies that, you know, the entire industry basically wins. So before we wrap up the show today, Jeremy, I know that you have been working rather fervently on another event in New York.
1: We've got Digital Book World 2014 just around the corner in January. We talked about educational publishing today. We've got a Day-long program uh, called Making Information Pay for Higher Education. We've got the president of EdX, which is the Harvard um, MOOC company, uh, giving a, a, a keynote presentation. We've got tons of data and stats on what's happening in these markets and in, in digital publishing and higher education. Um, companies like No, I'm sure, will be there. Um, and you know, the big conference. We've got so much stuff going on this year. We've got a kids-focused show called Kids Launch. We've got uh, that's a one-day show. We've got a two-track one-day show on ebook production um, that we just launched, and uh, of course the main event, the two days of Digital Book World. And you've been there, Michael. I, I mean, I, I know you, you you can probably tell your friends privately what you really think, but publicly, I think it's pretty safe to say Digital Book World's kind of the best, right?
0: Yeah, I mean, it, it seems to be in in. For all the I go to a lot of shows in North America, and it seems to be the definitive digital event um, in, in terms of how the length of it. It's probably the longest digital event in the world, and so. I know a lot of people that have been actually pinging me uh, you know I'm from Brazil how do I learn more about the market here I'm from like you know Thailand how do I get into ebooks and you know I've been telling these guys you know check out digital book world because this is like where All the minds are going to be, you know, for like a multi day period, you know, just immersed in in digital culture. So I've been hyping it up because I know that a lot of these digital events, especially if you look at um, like the IDPF before BEA, it's like it's a one day event. Or um, if you look at, um, you know, like the Frankfurt Book Fair, the London Book Fair, they all have digital events, but they're usually just one day before the main conference starts. And there's only really so much that you can pack in one day before it's overkill. Whereas your event multi-day and just focuses on all these money-growing segments of digital culture, which I think a lot of people who are within the industry or thinking about breaking into the industry could benefit from. Mm
1: -hmm. All right. Well, I'm glad you're recommending to people.
0: Thank you. Yeah, no worries. Um, So uh, on the Goody Reader end, we are making Top 10 app lists lately. Uh, slow new days. We're putting out uh, sort of comprehensive uh, app lists uh, every week now. We're looking at the best new apps to hit Blackberry 10 as well as Android and posting some lists. So thanks for everyone's kind comments on social media, email, Facebook, and all of the myriad of social media platforms. And I know one of our staff writers, Sovie, is putting out a weekly list of top 10 kids apps and I think he wrote a math apps uh, piece I think a few days ago that's gotten a lot of traction. So um, if you're into educational apps, if you're into there's so many apps just coming out every week that how do you keep track of, you know, what's the best, you know, what should I be checking out? So, um, Goody Reader is going to be reporting on this sort of thing as a weekly feature, so stay tuned to our website, GoodyReader.com and for all the latest apps for BlackBerry 10 and Android you can check out our main website there at apps.goodyreader.com and you have been listening to the Goody Reader Radio Show bringing you up to date on the stories from the last week in a digital publishing e-reader tablet and education sectors jeremy thanks for joining me thanks mike always a pleasure all right everybody take care